Hi, welcome to another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer here uh, with Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Uh, this is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. I'm very excited about this ex uh this episode, I'm excited about every episode. I seem like I say that every time I start the podcast, but hey, why not? Because the Pitt Panthers are in the College Cup. That's right. For the second time in three years, the Panthers are there. And for the second time in three years, they're going to play uh, a juicy matchup against the University, uh, Indiana University. Uh, what a great matchup. Pitt and Indiana, too. Real, really, Indiana is, if you want to talk blue bloods, <clears throat> excuse me, or college men's soccer, you can't go any further than look at uh, uh, Indiana University. Um, and, and, you know, they've been there how many times? This is the 22nd time in the 50-year history of their soccer program that they've made it uh, to the College Cup. So Pitt definitely will have their hands full. Although both teams, very interesting twist and scenario, both teams were not highly favored. Uh, at least at the beginning of the NCAA tournament. But I'm sure every team that uh, took uh, every club that took them on um, definitely had to think about the pedigree, the coaches, Todd Yegley and uh, Jay Vitovich at Pitt. And of course, for Jay Vitovich at Pitt, beating Portland on Sunday, what a big win. You know, they, it wasn't their best performance. They couldn't finish, but their perseverance got them to the finish line and they pulled it off. Um, and for Jay Vitovich, it's his seventh season at Pitt, and uh, he's propelled the program from the bottom of the ACC to the top. They're one of the best teams in the country. Four straight NCAA appearances. As I said, two college cups in three seasons, really, almost two college cups in two years, uh, if you count the fact that they extended the 2021 season. So, but... We're going to get um, we're going to get we have a very special guest coming on here in the podcast, Devin Kerr, uh, who many Pittsburgh Riverhounds fans may know as the lead analyst for the uh, USL championship. He's also lead analyst for the ACC Network. Uh, he's going to be joining and uh, joining uh, me and we're going to preview this match. Very uh, looking forward to this uh, segment with Devin Kerr. All right, uh, joining me now is Devin Kerr. Devin, uh, familiar face for, for Pittsburgh soccer fans because, you know, when you you're Riverhound, seems like Riverhound's always a big broadcast uh, uh, for the USL championship team, and you're the lead analyst there. Uh, and, of course, ACC Network and now ESPNU. Devin, uh, you're in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, it's a whirlwind, I'm sure, for you. So, I, first of all, I really appreciate your time. I know it's precious and uh, just appreciate having you on. John, no worries, brother. Thanks for having me. We've got uh, we've got stable weather at the moment, though this front moving in, we'll just say that the Nebraska boy has let the Florida bud thin a little bit, and I'm not so sure how warm I'm going to be over the next couple of days. So fingers All crossed right. that we get good weather for the boys on Friday. I didn't realize you were a ne Nebraska guy, but that's that's pretty Yeah, born and raised Omaha, man. Oh, man. All right. Wow. So you know, this is uh, this is in a very interesting college soccer season. And I, I found it fascinating. I, I, I've kept my eye on Pitt, obviously, here in Pittsburgh all the way through. But just in just had in the back of my mind, even though they, they, they've had some bumps in the road, I just think with Jay Vitovich, with the with the team, with the leadership on that roster, that that no matter where they were, if they got into the NCAA tournament, that they could get to this point and even win the whole thing. Um, what are your thoughts on Pitt right now as they head into the College Cup? You know, I, I carry very similar thoughts that I did when we got the opportunity to speak a couple of times earlier this year. 
it's one of the best teams in college soccer when they want to be right. You know, they got to be healthy first off and they've gotten there. They need regularity within their lineups. They finally gotten there. We've seen a lot of teams around the country that have struggled with that Clemson, you know, the former national title holder, they bat out because they couldn't get healthy and, and they couldn't get the same chemistry going that they had last season. That's what Vidovich has been looking for. So whether it's finding his midfield pairing, which it looks like he's done little tweak last game or the front line, which like he's done, obviously we've had Vandersar and goal the entire year, but most importantly, the back line coming into this season, the biggest question was going to be, not just who the goalkeeper was going to be, but could everybody group together? Because, okay, Vandersar is going to go in goal, but you've got five new faces on the back line. And then as the season went on, you know, we ran a stat going into the Clemson game. You know, you're what, 10, 12 games into the season. They had played like eight unique lineups on the back line. Not different lineups, unique. Think about that for a second. You don't put the same people back there. It's almost impossible to find a way to get a result within all of that, John. I mean, I'm a former center back and, when there's no regularity around you, people take for granted what the tendencies of a player are, you know, and and plus, like when you start getting momentum and just like you see with substitutions, it affects the overall flow of the game. And that's what they've gone through. And yet you have this conversation with me. You have the conversation with Vitovich, Bahanek, anybody on the coaching staff or those players, that team can play, man. They do it right. And I'm not knocking any other team that's in the college cup or around the country, just the overall style there's such a grace about the way that this team moves the ball around the field and and the way that they try to attack. And it certainly doesn't hurt, by the way, that arguably the, the most attacking, impressive, dynamic duo in the country and Jacques and Noel are in form four goals and three assists in the last four games. Not too bad. Yeah. And I, you know, the back line, like you said, kind of figured things out and having it, it started out, like you said, lots of different combinations, but uh, you know, the, the Learman Gilman combination is interesting because, you know, we're so used to in Pittsburgh seeing really big back lines, you know, Bob Lilly yeah. and the Riverhounds and, and, and even Pitt has, has seemed like they've had some really big guys back there. Um, what are your thoughts on that center back pairing? And of course the outside backs and kind of rotation, but he's really settled in on Rosa who's, just gets forward so much and is involved in the attack, a former, you know, attacking player, midfielder um, at St. Francis. And then on the left side too, you know, just thinking about what he's done there um, and using, um, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just so, yeah, that's it. That's been an interesting pairing, but it's since the NCAA tournament has started, they, this has been the group. Yeah. You know, it, Coming into the season, it was probably the biggest question in a good way um, that Vidovich had of the team because, you know, you lost Cravello, who transferred to UCF um, for personal reasons. And so you kind of looked around and went, okay, they brought in Enrique Galina. They brought in um, Yanis Learman. The theory was those two were going to be the guys. You know, people forget that Jackson Gilman actually started the season as an outside back. And but his natural position is more of a right center back. It, odd, because at Philly, he was actually a left center back or a six. But you can kind of play him anywhere, right? The kid's mm-hmm. consistent. And he's a freshman, which is crazy. Unbelievable. But, mm-hmm. you know, as the season has gone on, Learman's been hurt. Galena's been hurt. Both of them have been in and out of form. Jay has settled on Learman. I don't mind it. I, I'm actually comfortable with either one, to be fair. I do like Learman better. I think his distributional capabilities 
um, edge Galena in that sense. The height is something that I'm with you. you. You are used to, just in college soccer in general, seeing bigger guys in the back line. And that's not necessarily the case here. Mayufo's 5'8". Gilman's 5'11". On a good day, all due respect, because that's one of my favorite players on the team. And Lucas Rose is listed at 5'8 as well. Learman's the only one above six foot. So you don't necessarily have the same commanding presence that we saw in, in years past. But they do have a similar style in the way that they build. Yeah. The balance used to be different in terms of the outside backs. Because, you know, Abelnadi, Chef Ketty, um, of course, Lafelsund, who used to be here. These guys that they used, there used to be a little bit more of a tandem pairing when they went. Now they seem to overbalance on the right-hand side, and that's their tendency. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, Lucas Rosa, to your point, you know, he's an out-and-out number 10. The entire coaching staff will tell you this is a former All-American, right, that transferred here from St. Francis, NEC Player of the Year who's asked to play a different role. And within that role, he still gets to do the things that he likes, gets high up on the field, gets to attack, albeit in certain areas in a wider position for sure. But the way that they invert him into the midfield, it adds a layer into the attack. It also takes some of the pressure off the front line because you get guys, again, he's he's gotten players headed in the right direction right now. So move away from Noel and Jacques Esson. The question was always going to be the third. But as Rosa comes up in, you add a layer to the attack. You can also bump someone out of the midfield. So you get Mirkovic into a higher position that allows you to distribute. I mean, that guy, one of the best in the nation about dishing it off or the hockey assist, if you will. It's one of the more dangerous teams in terms of form right now that you're seeing coming into the tournament. And I've said it all season long that if this team, with if they can get everything going, they are to be feared. And it starts at the back line, to your point, with the defense, and it just continues to move forward. What do you th- what are your thoughts on I mean the Portland game they seem to struggle in terms of finishing and they've they've gone through many uh, times this season where that's been the case where they look fantastic on the ball their distribution their movement everything's great and then they get in that final third and maybe that just the 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 either the last pass or you know they sometimes it looks like they're trying to get too cute or is it just a matter of just they need to finish better uh, in those opportunities and then it seems like when it all clicks you know is is it a thing where it's just their expected goals just, I don't even know if the NCAA keeps track of expected goals but I would imagine theirs has got to be at the top so the NCAA itself does not track that um, as a public statistic it is something that you can kind of compute behind the scenes with the numbers in terms of the Portland game 32 shots, 11 on target. They created, man. I understand that it went longer than they wanted to, but they created. That's the most important thing. People also forget that the travel that's involved on these guys, it's simple to think, okay, great. They've hit the knockout rounds and and there's rest, you know, and and, and repeat. But there's, I believe, 11 days between the UVA, because they got knocked out early in the ACC tournament, 11 days between that game and the Cleveland State game. But I just pulled it up. I'm looking at it right now, John. Think about this. You're at home against Cleveland State on the 17th. Three days later, two days rest, you got to go to Akron, play a really good Akron team. And then you got to go back on the road a week later. It's easy to think, oh, they've got a week. You're still playing three games in 10 days. Like that's the, the human body, especially in this day and age, like all the science that we know, and everything that goes on in, into, into the body in general, yet alone these young men, they're still going to class and stuff. Three games in 10 days is not a very feasible thing. And then you turn around and you get one a week later. 
four and two weeks overall. It's very difficult schedule. And then it's the actual competition. Akron, especially Kentucky. Kentucky, one of the best teams in the country for sure. They deserve the number one moniker. Yon Sedergren has done such a good job there. So just the attrition in general is a difficult thing. And yeah, there's style points for this team. This team doesn't just like to win. They like to win pretty. That's okay. That's why they produce for the most um, most of their games. And it's not always going to be a three or four nil win. You're in the NCAA tournament. Actually, back up. The NCAA in general, coaches will tell you, it is difficult to win games. You know, gone are the days where you're just smacking teams around and going winning six, seven, nothing, right. four, five, nothing on a regular basis. It's a grind. Then you add in ACC, then add an ACC tournament. And all of a sudden, you're making a run in the College Cup. These games are not easy. Even Cleveland State, like, they're very, very difficult to manage. And I think it's more of a testament, to be fair, to Pittsburgh and what they've been able to do because they have gone. I mean, think about the Kentucky game. Like, you're not supposed to go to Kentucky and be down a man and go win that game, right? And and they did. It, it's a character thing. And it's also a very, very different team than what you saw in 2020. People should be careful to think, oh, you know, two College Cups in three years. There's almost no... There are a couple, but there are almost no remaining members from that team. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that their opponents, Indiana, may have a few more players coming back from their 2021, 2020-2021 uh, um, College Cup. I'm so confused with all the, the – Yeah, just the it's, it's just 20, even though it's the spring know, of 21. 20. For, for historical purposes, the record books say 20, so there you go. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I right to Indiana. Let's talk about them. Todd Todd Yeagley is the head coach. You know, five uh, College Cup appearances, and what they did so well. I know it's two different teams and two different matchups. And Jay Vitovich's quote, I believe, on Monday was, "They look very much like an Indiana team that we faced." And obviously, Jay is super familiar with that program um, and especially their history because he was part of it many many years ago. But um, just. What are your thoughts on this team? Well, it, 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 I would imagine last time they played, there was they they kind of sat back, countered when they had the opportunities. Pitt didn't really finish, and and Indiana just made the most of something late. So um, it is kind of funny, by the way. You, you talked about Vidovich being a part of it so long ago, a player in the '70s for sure. Uh, Jay Vidovich, Indiana tied now a head coach. Um, Todd Yeagley, of course, you know, not only is he the coach of Indiana, played, you know, his alma mater, guy won you know, the Herman back in the day. Remember the Mac Herman yeah. years ago was actually split. So he and Mazenov, two players from Indiana, split it back then. And then um, why is my mind escaping me? You're in so, sorry. So those two specifically in the college cup, the coaching tree itself is actually really interesting when you continue forth around the NCAAs. Brian Plotkin. Another great player won a national title. He's at Army now. He was an assistant um, at – was he with you guys? Was he with Pitt? I don't know. Anyway, um, the, the, yeah, the coaching tree itself is actually really, really impressive. Um, and so Indiana just has its hands all over the College Cup, as they always do. 30,000 feet. Indiana, really simple. They're going to outwork you. There's no question about that. The question is, how good can you be when they're chasing you? Because they don't ever stop. I, you know, I called their first game of the year against Clemson. They were on the road. Clemson was one. I think Indiana was eight at that point in time. And Indiana got smoked. 
Now, the scoreline doesn't necessarily say that, but they got outplayed. And I came away from the game going, I'm concerned for this team. And it wasn't because it was the first day of the year. It was just an overall skill set. And I should apologize to them because you never, ever count out an Indiana team. They've had their ups and downs. They'll be the first ones to admit it this season. Um, you know, they they lost that first game, John. But if you look at their body of work, it's actually it's pretty interesting because they lose that game. <clears throat> excuse me. And then they go. It was like win, 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 loss. Right. But their wins are three wins in a row. They beat Akron. Yeah. They beat Butler. Um, Butler on the road, by the way, really good Butler team. You lose to Ohio State, they draw. Almost every single time this year when they've lost, they follow by, by a draw, and then they start to build up momentum again. You, you rattle off a couple of wins, but then the same thing. Kentucky smacked them around in Indiana. Nobody goes to Indiana and beat you like that, but same thing, Evansville, trying. And then, you know, you start to build it again. They bowed out of the tournament in the Big Ten. That was a big talking point for them. This team only knows success. They only know trophies, and that happens every single year. Now, they don't necessarily get the College Cup every single year, but they win a Big Ten title regular season or they win a Big Ten tournament. They didn't win either, and there's a big chip on their shoulder about that. I've heard it multiple times from the staff and from the players. We lost two trophies this year. We're not about to lose a third. And they outwork you. 22 College Cups in 50-year history. They're 44%. 24. That's unbelievable. It's that's, ridiculous. That's, that's and, you can see that in college basketball. But, I mean, and you know what, though? Like, they change every year too. Like I say it when I say it's not the most talented, I'm not saying that, that these kids aren't talented. I'm saying like, when I look at historical rosters for Indiana, I mean, their 2018 team was incredible. Like I remember it was one of the first college games I had called in Bloomington. That's, you know, Mecca for college soccer and looking around and there's banners and trophies and things hanging on. And I, I remember that team, that team had pros littered all over it. And it seems like the last couple of years they still have pros, but they just do it differently. You know, they're they're not as they're not as pretty. It, it doesn't look like Pitt, but who cares, right? You still get results. I mean, they they tweak their front line a little bit. What you will see out of them is if it's if it's gonna, it's always going to be Sam Sarver. The question is who's going to be his running mate? Are they going to drop one underneath and a guy like Tommy Mahalik, who's an awesome talent, probably the most skilled player on the team, plays in that ten type role, kind of wanders and is the chance creator. Or are they going to bump an extra one onto that front line with Gumbali and even Endley can come up there? That's pretty much where the, the style of them changes. Because when you work back, it's, it's quite linear. There's a flat back four. Um, they do pivot on the right-hand side, kind of similar to Pitt. Nick Sesek, a guy that Pitt people should know all about, a transfer here. Um, you know, they, they flatten into a three. I wonder, I wonder if it gets too wide at times, which will bode well for, you know, the press of Pitt bumping an extra one coming out of the midfield, pushing up next to whoever's in the nine. It could be, you know, Sam Cal, Lucini, Noel, whoever steps up in there, it can create an overload. But the recovery is always great. Like I wrote down a specific play. It was in the um it was in the Wisconsin game earlier this year. And um J Mayer starts to slip over, Joey Mayer. And you know, his everybody talks about his brother Jack, rightfully so Nashville draftee, but Joey can hold his own and the junior starts to commit to the outside. You see him peek over his shoulder, see his run behind him. 99.9% .9 of the time, everybody else is chasing into the corner, trying to go win that ball. And if you don't get there, you're in trouble because you just hung your, the rest of your teammates out to dry. But this kid recognizes, oh boy, 
I can allow that run to go down into the corner because it's not as threatening as what's going on behind me. Turns, immediately retreats. Player picks up the ball in the corner, whips it in, and guess what? Joey Mayer's sitting right there at the top of the box. That's one example, but they all do it. Daniel Mooney, Brett Beebe on the outside. They're such they're so impressive in recovery runs. It's why they're very difficult to break down defensively. And Pitt's movement uh, in in the final third, I think, is important. Sometimes Jockison just tends to just keep going the same direction. But then when they move him inside, sometimes it helps because I think it it keeps the, the back line and the, the, the defending midfielders guessing about where he's going to be. Um, I think that that it seemed like I don't know if you saw it or watched any of the Portland. Uh, the, that All of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like for long stretches, he disappeared in the match. And, you know, Pitt can't afford to have one of its most dynamic players disappear. Um, That left side, though, you know, that rotation, whether it's Lucini, Almeida, Almeida helping out up top um, with alongside Noel. I mean, it's just such a unique grouping. And Pitt and Mikey Sullivan, another one, like, you know, just what I think Jay is just going to have to figure out what will work best. I'm sure he has a good idea of what that will be. Yeah, and yet to your point, although I have noticed Jacqueson more this year than others, like sort of drift in and out of games, and yet in the 104th minute still produces what's necessary, right? I mean, that's the thing about them is he and Noel, Noel's been more consistent for sure. He also hasn't been injured, so that's something that, you know, Jacqueson has been dealing with and really carrying all season long, Mm -hmm. that even when they're not at their best, it doesn't matter. Like they're that good that they can just, they can produce that moment. And that's what Jay Vidovich is looking for, especially when you get into these tournament games, like people sit back and and they want to talk tactics. I'm the first one, right? Like, how does this look? What does that look like? You know, sitting down with coaches and and talking about the breakdowns, but it's not like there for the most part, there's going to be anything magical at this time in the season. That's going to change. Like you are who you are. And tactically, you know what these guys are capable of. Like, you know that Valentin Noel, regardless of anywhere that he is on the front three, he's going to be good with the ball at his feet. He finds these little spaces in the box, and that's what he's going to be. Jacqueson's going to be great in transition. Just got to find him comfortable on either wing. Yeah, there's a tendency on certain sides, but you need to get him the ball to be able to have the ball out in front and attack players. They're not all of a sudden going to switch that, right? Mm-hmm. Indiana knows that. And so just at this point in time, you reach, like, like you do at any level, how efficient can you be? within your own ways to go and break down the opponent. All right. So we are a little bit limited on time, but I want to ask you just maybe within a minute or less, what are your thoughts on the other matchup? Just so that we have some sense of an idea of what to expect with ACC Syracuse, who Pitt did not see this year and Creighton. Good question. So I I would say that um, I would say in terms of the styles, a little bit more dynamic than what you're going to see out of the Pitt-Indiana game. I'm guessing there's a lot more rotation within the two systems. They've got Creighton have the number one attacker in the country in Duncan McGuire. He's got 22 goals in 23 games. Math checks out that that's pretty good, John. (laughs) Um, I really like the two outside players, though, um, in in Giorgio Probo, the the way that he sits, and – and and Jackson Castro, the way that they sit. Those two guys, f- for me, the way that they attack, they they're, they create everything. And so with an influx of players on the inside, it's going to create, you'll see like five or six bodies at a time, not including Duncan McGuire. So it's really going to challenge the interior guys like Jackson Walty and Mirkovic defensively. 
to be able to hold that space and then attack going the other way, you got to make sure that it's two units. Um, that that's the one area that I'm I'm interested for if they got matched up against each other. In terms of the matchup against Syracuse, though, Creighton as they go, Syracuse want to be on the ball. Both these teams are transitional. Amfordy Sinclair, watch him. Costa Rican youth international player holds down the fort on the inside. Really impressive with Kashevsky and the way that he creates going forward. And you know, I mentioned. The, the dynamic duo, if you will, with Jacques and Noel, Levante Johnson and Nathaniel Apoku have 19 goals and 12 assists between the two of them. They're they're really, really good. It's kind of like fire and ice. You know, one guy's just, he's very direct. Levante Johnson got a tremendous work ethic. He chases, he pushes you into uncomfortable situations to turn over and then goes the other way. And, and then Nathaniel Apoku is unpredictable. He's difficult, um, but he's amazing. You know, I, I say difficult in that he, he makes you work in a different way than Johnson does. Tactically, he makes you think a little bit more. You know, they play in a flatback three that still sends numbers. Both of these teams really comfortable transitionally, and I expect a wide-open affair with a lot of goals. Wow. Well, I, I would say then you got three teams that have never um, lifted the College Cup, and then you have you have one that's just has the story tradition, and those three teams all seem like the more dynamic not that Indiana is not capable. Uh, they just, like you said, they'll just outwork every team that they play. Um, so I think it's going to be a fascinating college cup. Uh, going to be a lot of really good storylines. I pre your knowledge is, is just, I'm just so glad I was able to, <laughs> to have you for 20 minutes or so. Um, I know you got a busy, busy weekend and uh, just your thoughts on this college cup being back and uh, with, well, for pit fans uh, to be able to go and be part of it. Um, it should be a pretty exciting weekend in North Carolina. Yeah, come and hang out. It's um, it's a spectacle. It, it is really, really cool. You know, being being an Omaha boy, um, you know, although the venue has changed, Rosenblatt for the College World Series was, right. you know, where everybody flocked to every single year. Carrie's, Carrie's become that the de facto recently, right? Because of COVID and the way things have changed. It's always been a location, but, you know, recently, I mean, 90, it's four years running now that we've had it here. It's not going to be here next year. It goes to Louisville. So, Come and experience it. If you get an opportunity, drive down. Great matchups, great storylines. You know, there's the Indiana coaching tree. We've got two former Mac Herman players, Johnny Torres from Creighton. You know, he won it in, in the mid-90s. I used to go watch him play. I ball-boyed for Johnny Torres when he played for the Miami Fusion. Like, that's how cool this is for me, that's right? Cool. And then you've got Indiana, who seemed to make it every single season. Jay Vidovich, who's won one. He's got his team back. And a Creighton team that they're right there. And then Ian McIntyre, who... They they want to they want to get back you know the 2015 16 years that were so good for them they've reloaded he's brought in a ton of transfers and yet I've sat and had dinner with these kids they are incredible young men storylines galore good teams well deserved to be here and I can't wait to watch them play and we will be there too Pittsburgh Soccer Now team uh, Dominic Campbell will be there Friday um, if all goes well for Pitt I will be there Monday um, so looking forward to the weekend cannot wait. That, uh, Devin, sorry, Devin, thanks again for joining me on Sounding Off on Soccer. Um, as always, I have like a million things I want to pick your brain about in the offseason. So maybe we'll get we'll we'll get back together in January or so some sometime around there. Count me in. I told you coming in December 22nd, my first day off since late January. So uh, so let's get it done anytime after the fact. Appreciate you having me on, John. Best of luck to your guys. All right. Thanks. The busiest man on this soccer analyst on this side of the Atlantic. All right. Love it. Take care, Devin. Cheers, brother.